Hello. Welcome back to the Flawless Takes Podcast, the podcast where we talk about Dave Gettleman's 2018 offseason moves and Cracklin' Oat brand, the classic combo. Uh, I'm Christian Miola. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Chris Landera. Chris, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, Christian. Uh, excited to get into some uh, David Gettleman talk today. Uh, on, on Pearl Harbor Day, which feels very appropriate because the uh, giant season is pretty much bombed out and depleted. Yeah, I mean, we 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 were kind of ho- holding false hope, tongue in cheek, last week. Like this season's been over. We've we've put it to to uh, in the ground multiple times this season, but there's really no coming back from this. A horrendous loss in Miami. I was I didn't even watch the game. I was at a uh, Scarlet Scarlet Knights women's basketball game, uh, a loss against uh, your alma mater, University of Maryland, Lady Terps. Or Lady Terps, Terps very tough opponents. They're good. So, yeah. But it was, it was cool. We, you know, we're eight, eight rows from the action. So it was a, a fun time with the fam. And I missed an apparently horrendous Giants game. Mike yes, Lennon you did didn't not pull miss it much. out for us. What, what happened in this game? How was it? A lot of fun? I mean, I think you could probably close your eyes and picture how it went based off the final score. Uh, a, mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of Mike Lennon overthrows. Yeah. A lot of Mike Lennon throwing in a double coverage. Not, nice. not afraid to, to throw in a double coverage at Mike Lennon. Um, some, some Saquon tentative running sprinkled in. Uh, basically every other play, there's someone in the backfield blowing up the play before it's even before we even know what we're doing with the play. Um, so yeah, you know the, the the general stuff we've seen all year, and um, you know we were able to get um, All Star Pro Bowler Graham Gano into range a couple times. Had him had a solid three from our from our superstar player. Nice. And, uh, GG. You know. Joe Judge was pulling all the strings to get that ball through the uprights. Nice. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I saw there was some complaints about that. The Giants writers I, I follow on Twitter and stuff were talking about, I think, two fourth down punts in Miami territory in the second half, which is, is pretty abysmal. I'm glad I, I didn't have to watch that. I did hear the defense played pretty well again, which is, I guess uh, – you know, we're at that point in the season where you start thinking, like, who are the guys that you want to build around, right? And and maybe, um, you know, we have some something there with a with a few guys. I heard the the cornerback is it Aaron Robinson? Um, yes, looked, pre- looked pretty good. And yeah. uh, Roche had another sack, and uh, Ojolari had a sack, and um, you know, McKinney continues to be pretty good. Yeah. So maybe the defense did defense. the defense did plenty to win the game. You know, it mm-hmm. was. Our, our our normal issues reared their ugly head again. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah and uh, more weirdness. So the Giants are on this this road trip now through Arizona and they are prepping their recently acquired third string quarterback Jake Fromm. We're gonna actually be starting the University of Georgia like two thousand eighteen uh <laughs> roster if we're not careful. We're getting there. But uh yeah, Jake Fromm. You excited about it? He's a good-looking guy, you know. He's got a nice smile, you know. Maybe he's he's got a little razzle dazzle, you know. Maybe he just needs a chance. What do you think? Yeah. So Jake from I believe last year was on the Bills practice squad. He was actually their um, he was like their COVID quarterback. Like they kept mm. him separate from the team 
So he, he was he, he really didn't even really know anyone on the team that yeah. well. Because they basically That's had like an episode kind of, like, of Black Mirror. You're you're an NFL yeah. quarterback, but you're in a box in Buffalo. You're just you're living in a Best Western. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're living in a Best Western in Utica and just like hoping for a phone to ring. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So Giants, um, because of our injuries to our quarterbacks, have acquired Jake Fromm, and um. A weird thing that's happening is Giants Twitter seems to be very excited about the Jake Fromm acquisition. Yeah, why not? I don't know. This does, is... does this have something to do with the fact that he's like a good-looking person? I, 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 I because it is really weird. It's. I mean, he probably doesn't so even desperate. know the. Does he even yeah. know the plays? It, it, it's so untethered from reality, and it's just yeah. it's really a sad statement on it's the sad. State of the Giants yeah. fan mentality, where it's like. Here's a guy who I don't watch a lot of college football. I did watch. I've watched this guy play in college. Like it was clear in college, he's like he does not have the arm talent to be an NFL quarterback. Their whole mm-hmm. offense is like mm-hmm. him throwing seven yard passes and running the ball. So like, um, I think it's it's just like something new. We need something to latch on to. He like I said, he does look the part. Like he looks like that fresh faced quarterback. Yeah. And that's about it, you know. So I don't know. Maybe it's that simple. From a big, from a big name school, I guess. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to yeah. think of reasons why you would get this excited over Jake. Fromm. He's been studying under Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. He's okay. you know, he's yeah. absorbed all that. I don't know. I, I, have no I mean, uh, yeah. I guess if you like Brian Dayball, the Bills' offensive coordinator, who's like kind of like a hot name in in coaching. He, he yeah. worked under him, I guess, for a couple of years. I don't oh, know. Great. Um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see him get fed to the Wolves against, the, you know, on the road against San Diego. I would expect uh, another LA, loss. Los Angeles. I, I'm sorry. I, I, that's just still yeah. tough for me. The Chargers. The Chargers. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep checking in with the Giants, but there's, there's not much to diagnose here. It is time to start thinking about the, the, uh, the meta world of Giants and what are those big decision points that we've alluded to all season. And on this show, we're going to start at the top. We've sort of uh, previewed it before, but we're going to start our first in a series of four segments on uh, the Dave Gettleman era in New York. Uh, So we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with part one. Um, Stay tuned, guys. Hello, welcome back to the Flawless Takes podcast and welcome to our first of four segments on the Dave Gettleman era. And this is really the flawless takes case against Dave Gettleman, if you will. Um, I want to take you back for a moment, Chris. Um, 2017 Giants were the worst Giants team in uh, really modern NFL history since I think the the 60s. They were 3-13. and It was year two of Ben McAdoo. Um, Everything went wrong for the Giants that season. You'll recall this is what the embarrassing handling of Eli when he was, mm. um, you know, benched basically in, in favor of, um, sorry, name escaping me right now, but uh, when he was benched uh, and then, you know, brought back a week later and, and sort of all the weirdness with Ben McAdoo and, and just clearly being unfit for the job. And it was really ugly sort of end to a. Geno uh, Smith is a name that's escaping you. Sorry. Geno Smith. Yeah. Uh, Geno Smith. Smith. Yeah. Um, and Jerry Reese, uh, his long, you know, mostly successful tenure, uh, came to an end. He was, uh, fired by the giants, uh, in December of 2017. 
On December 28th, 2017, Dave Gettleman was named as the Giants general manager. Um, returning to the Giants after six years, uh, as most of the listeners probably know, Dave Gettleman was, of course, with the Panthers for six years, built the team that went to the Super Bowl 2015, was NFL Executive of the Year that year, uh, but had previously spent 15 years in the Giants uh, personnel uh, office. Um, and, you know, it was sort of a long tenure Giant, so has that Giants connection, which we, we know the Maras love. Uh, so mm-hmm. in his introductory um, speech or press conference, he, he gave some, some fun quotes. So my plan is to come here every day and kick ass. That's my plan, okay? And I'm going to keep doing it until they either take my key card or the Lord calls me home. Um, so very, you know, he's feeling it. He comes out flexing. That's how he opened the press conference. And then there's the, the sort of the mission statement. This is something Giants fans, uh, hold against Gettleman because he, he pressed it, um, talking about team building. Tom Coughlin said it to me when he first came in here, he said, big men allow you to compete. And that's so true. The O-line, the D-line, I believe in the hog mollies. We've had some great groups here, great groups everywhere I've been, and we're going to get back to that. They do allow you to compete. So this was really the core sort of detail given. It's, it's what, you know, the, the vision of the team was built up front, tough as nails, professional. You know, this is what's coursing through this initial um, press conference. And, and we should just say that's all just pablum. You know, you could, I could probably read you like every GM opening press conference and it's filled with all this garbage. But uh, I think it's important to connect the vision he has for the team when he walks in the door um, to where we are today. Um, um, not only that, but what about the um, probably that Dave Gettleman didn't lack for confidence in, in 2017, 2018, huh? Mm-hmm. I, you don't hear him talking like that so much in uh, 2021 if you hear him talking at all. Oh, no. Yeah. I I want them to know that we're going to use every avenue to get this thing fixed. There's some very good players on this team. It's not crash and burn. It's not a torch job and dump 63 players and bring in 63. There's darn good players here. And you looked at my resume, you think, I've got a chance. And there's some great people up in that front office. So just hang in there with us and we're going to get it fixed. Great. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we've been hanging. We've been hanging. Yeah, so that's that's coming up on four years anniversary of that that speech. Do you remember your impressions, Chris, when he was hired? Were, were you optimistic about the move? Um, no, I wanted someone much younger. Um, I'm I, I, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, I knew ageist. like his. Yeah, I'm an ageist. Basically, his yeah, reputation too. was yeah he 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 built the he built a Carolina Panthers team that went to the Super Bowl with Cam Newton. Um, but one, you know, John Mara is making a hire, so you don't have high hopes to begin with. Right. Two, Dave Gettleman is not someone who believes in metrics. He's not. Um, the, the thing that I always, the clip that I always think of with Dave Gettleman is when someone brings up, um, sabermetrics to him and he's refers to them as the computer folk and makes kind of like a mocking yeah typing on an air keyboard 
Yeah, like oh yeah, you mean the AV nerds? Like he's yeah, a very exactly. sort of like oh the very dismissive of guys. I remember yes. throwing them in the locker in uh, you know right. 1968. So yeah, they, very yeah. much that. Doogie Howser's going to know more than I do about you know wide receiver A. I, you know, so I think there were some signs there um, that mm-hmm. we were maybe hiring someone who I guess you would want to say the game passed by a little. You know, maybe he's yeah. a little bit of a, a dinosaur. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's a conservative move by the mayors, of course. It's someone it's we It's on know, brand so for us. Yep. It's someone we're comfortable with. Um, no, I'm not going to do anything revolutionary to mix it up. Nobody too innovative or new thinking. Um, nope. So not too surprising. Yeah, I mean, I felt very much the same way. Um, and... It's actually been worse than I would have expected, to be honest. I didn't think he was this lost, as we'll get into, but um, I wasn't particularly excited. Not to say I remember having a really specific other candidate in mind, um, but just someone a little bit more dynamic and young would have been good. Um, anyway, so the the major first move, of course, is you got to hire a head coach. And uh, we went in a a route again that I wasn't that thrilled with, you know, Dave Gettleman's first big decision. He hires uh, Pat Shermer, who had been the um, Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator, of course, the previous year and was successful with a good Vikings offense at that time. um, And had previously been a head coach with the Browns. Right. Um, So that's always a red flag for me is, is red retread who doesn't have like a long track record of success as a head coach. Like, if you're Andy Reid and you get fired from Philadelphia after, you know, 15 years of making the playoffs, like that's different than, you know, being just one of those names on the the rotating wheel of uh, Browns coaches that, that, that were going on in that era. So that glamorous wheel. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was obviously we don't have to do too much of analysis in this decision. It was a failure. Um, you know, he was fired after two years. It was a bad hire. Um, he just, you know, Pat Shermer appears to be one of those guys who's, you know, probably going to be a good offensive coordinator, solid. Um, he, he looks to have done some good things with the Broncos this, the last couple of years, but, um, you know, obviously not head coaching material. Uh, but one thing I, I want to point out as we go through these four episodes is, you know, the Pat Shermer era is looking to be in aggregate stronger than the Joe Judge era as we round up year two of Joe Judge. Oof. Just so something to well, think about. As boy, that's get, dark. Yeah, just something to think about <laughs> as we go through some stats. Um, all right, so let's move on to to free agency. So free agency, first thing I want to talk about with free agency is who we let go, right? So, or not let go, but uh, allowed to, to re-sign in other places. Now, obviously... There's cap concerns. You can't sign everybody. Uh, but I think it is worth noting the guys who left. So I'm just going to run through some names and then pause on some other ones. So Geno Smith, fine. Who cares? Shane Vereen, he was done. Uh, Tavares King, blah, blah, blah. Here's two. Justin Pugh, Western Richburg. Uh, Pugh signs a pretty good mm-hmm. five-year, $45 million contract with the Cardinals. He's still starting there, by the way, on a really good Cardinals team. So he's like a quality NFL interior offensive lineman. Um, a hot Molly. yeah, he's he's like a definitional he's, like uh, yeah. 10 year NFL starting player, you know, like that's yeah. 
what it is. Weston Richburg, I think, is now out of the league, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he's he's still playing, but he was a, a center and, you know, was in the league starting, um, you know, for several years after being released or, or being re-signed elsewhere. Um, Jay Bromley, Devin Kennard, these are sort of uh, role players, Keenan Robinson, Ross Cockrell, Matt Burhey, just some names from the uh, from the past, uh, all signed elsewhere. Who did we re-sign? Um, John Greco, Kerry Wynn, Mark Herzlich. Just some more names to, to throw at you. Um, okay, so then, okay, what did we bring in? A couple things. So our replacement's really from the offensive line, and I want to start there because we want to focus on the Hog Mollies. Nate Solder. Four years, $62 million. I think it was the biggest tackle deal that year in free agency, almost like the top of the market. And we overpaid there, I think, pretty clearly. Um, we He's haven't gotten much that. out of – we haven't gotten much out of Nate Solder. He's not an NFL-quality starter here in year four of the deal. Um, but he's all we have on our roster. So He sat um, out the COVID year, sat out last year. Sat out last year and was like a replacement level player prior to the COVID year. And now he's like a minus. And now player. he's back. <laughs> now he's back just collecting <clears throat> a check. Yep. Um, here's one I totally forgot about. Uh, interior offensive lineman Patrick Oma May, three years, 15. He was sort of a, not a journeyman, but a sort of a, a starting quality player. He was on the Bears for a while, most recently on the Jaguars. He, I believe, lasted six years, six games into this season, and then uh, promptly retired. So yeah, they they realized he was pretty bad like quickly. I think mm-hmm. I think I read he was only on the Giants for like two hundred and forty days or something like that. But yeah, we still ended up having to pay him something like five point five million dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was gar- guaranteed money. So this this are two moves that would fall fall into misses of different varieties that you see you have the Nate Solder like overpay of a guy who's maybe solid but not worthy of top of the free agency market and then you have the Patrick Omome which is just the pure swing and a miss and we have there's a lot of those where it's like the guy doesn't even make it through camp where we 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 spent real cap money on him um next one this is again veterans comfort Guys, we know Jonathan Stewart, two years, eight point two oh. million dollars. I forgot Jonathan Stewart's on the Giants. I didn't really forget, but yep. it's just one of those things I haven't thought about in a in a while. And it's just like, oh yeah, that was that's something we did. Uh, and wow, look at that signing a uh, beat up running back uh, at the end of the rope uh, didn't work out. So, but again, and I think bring, that's go ahead. I think that's uh, and I think that's one of the signs. Um, one of the signs of Dave Gettleman that you can tell, like where, where you're like confused and wondering what this guy's doing. He's big on yeah. giving these contracts to free agent running backs. And I yeah. can not figure out why there's that not even superstar running backs can take a team to the next level. Like look at like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Like look at um, who's another, like, like Ezekiel Elliott. Like, is he really like, is he the piece that like the, that like makes the, yeah. the Cowboys go? No, Tony Pollard yeah, is the mean, backup running back is a is a better player right now than Ezekiel Elliott. So why why do we care about signing these old? I mean, honestly, that Jonathan Stewart one felt like he was just giving a doing a favor to his like Carolina Panther player. 
really with that one. He was so done at the time. Yeah, I mean, but still, I mean, that's just thank you for doing that on our dime or, or on the Mara's dime to like, right? Yeah, a boy for your 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 friend at the end of uh, his career. I just don't get it. Another big signing, Kareem Martin. Do you remember Kareem Martin? Yes, he was a like a linebacker, D end hybrid, three year, fifteen million dollar deal. I can't remember one. Wow, I can't. I didn't. I remember him. I didn't know we were paying him that much. Yeah. So, like, this is what, you know, it's, it's really. I don't even like to splash that cash, baby. He does. And, but it's just like (laughs) guys that are just, I don't know what tricks he thinks he has up his sleeve. So, I mean, hindsight's 2020, of course. But just thinking about the misses, there are no, real hits here either you know there's other names we could get into uh michael thomas was an average safety for us for a couple years we signed him this year i don't know connor barwin i vaguely remember making some plays but it's not it's not a great list um who is the who is dave gettleman's best free agent signing would it be oh man Logan I mean, Ryan. Bradbury. I mean, Bradbury seems. Uh, yeah, I guess now. Bradbury. But I mean, Bradbury. The, the thing is, Bradbury is like an okay player, but he's not worth the contract we gave him. Yeah, I think if I you mean, like take take money into consideration, it's probably Logan Ryan. Yeah, I mean, how? What do you think? Leonard Williams we was acquired via trade, but that yeah. doesn't count. Um. Anyway, so yeah, something that maybe we should keep a list. And what would be the best free agent signing from this year? Uh, so I'm going to read the names again. Kareem Martin, Nate Solder, Patrick Omame, Curtis Riley, Cody Latimer, Michael Thomas, Scott Simonson, Zach Karen, Connor, Connor Barwin, or Leonard Johnson. Yeah, I, I mean, couldn't even tell you which one is the best. I, I, it, it's it's just, a total disaster. It, <laughs> yeah, so you can't even nominate from that list. All right, nope. so let's move on. Keep this moving. So after that stellar class of free agents, getting those hog mollies like Nate Solder and Patrick Omome on the team, we have a draft. And with the highest draft pick uh, in you know my lifetime as a Giants fan, I think, like I said, 40 years. So we drafted this high with number two draft pick. Um, in, an, in an interesting draft, you know, the, the top of this draft is very quarterback heavy. Um you know, you could have made the decision at this point to, you know, move on from Eli. A decision, obviously, they made the following year. But just to remind, remember, Baker Mayfield obviously taken one, not available. But you have right after him Sam Darnold. We missed on that that life, but Josh Allen, of course, uh, Lamar Jackson is is drafted much later in in the first round, thirty second overall. But, you know, there were opportunities to move off of uh, of Eli here. Do you remember if you were in the let's draft a quarterback uh, contingent? Because that's where I was going into the draft. I did not want Saquon from the beginning. What were the, what were the quarterbacks available? Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson were the okay. other ones taken in yeah. the first round. I, I, oh, I was, Josh yeah. Rosen, Josh Rosen. I, I, I was in the, in the, yes, I was with you. I was pro quarterback. And yeah. I actually remember this draft vividly because I was actually in San Diego with listener Matt C 
and he actually went home like the day before this draft. So I went to a, I watched it at a bar in San Diego and there were a bunch of people at the bar who like went crazy when we took Saquon just because not, not even like Giants fans, but just because like Saquon was such like a, a high, he, he, he had like an aura like coming out of like college, you know? Yes. He definitely had so, like this, the, that he did have that high aura that people were freaking out like, off, Oh, Saquon in really New York. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that Dave Gettleman was yeah was <laughs> high on he the was, fumes. He was he was head in the clouds, man. He yep. fell in love hard. <laughs> the the quotes he had about him, you know, we've heard them all. But you know, he he basically put a, a gold jacket on him, you know, as he announced him as a draft pick. Um, <laughs> Saquon, this is going to be something. Maybe I don't know when to address it. You know, this year. Again, year four now for Saquon. He he obviously in his rookie year was a rookie of the year, was the best year he had. Um, you know, I think two thousand uh yards from scrimmage, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Uh like he had a, a monster year. Um so in that first year it seemed, you know, like like okay, we got right. Maybe, Maybe we'll get away with taking a running back second overall. Yeah, or at the the you know? worst, you have like the best running back in the league. You're like, so at least I get to watch that. Much the way we we were able to ride off of Odell for three years, you know, just being fantastic. We thought we were going to get at least that, you know, for a few years from Saquon. That hasn't happened. Um, yeah. Obviously, we don't need to uh, go through it in, in detail, but he's clearly not the player. Uh, that they thought he was, and you know, it just makes using a second round draft pick in hindsight seem rather ridiculous. I, I mean, I've I always talk about what they could have done in this draft. I've talked about this for years, but I haven't done it on this podcast. But the the way you could have played this as the Giants, because the thing you got to understand, they also have the thirty fourth pick, which they ended up tra- drafting Will Hernandez. Well, guess who won thirty mm-hmm. five? Nick Chubb. All right. So <laughs> you want a running back high? You could have had Nick Chubb at thirty four, and done something else with with two. You could have traded back. Maybe someone who wanted those quarterbacks wants to move up. You could have, you know, drafted a quarterback like we talked about. Um, you know, they Quentin Nelson is like an all pro guard. Maybe you trade back and he he won at six. You know Bradley Chubb, DN. Like that's who my that's that. I have a bunch of friends who are Giants fans, and that was yeah. the um, we have a text, and Quentin Nelson was who like kind of everyone unanimous was the group decision was that who yeah. that's who we wanted. So so imagine um, you never yeah, took a guard a, at two, but like imagine you did. Imagine they did Quentin Nelson at two, Nick Chubb at thirty four. You're probably a better team right now, yeah. right? Oh yeah, Much you better. know. I think that's pretty obvious. So there was a ton of value in this draft that was unrealized. I mean, we'll talk now. Let's transition to it. That second round pick, Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez is a, is a starter on this team still. He's he's the bus basically. Yeah. Like he is a a low level starter. He should yeah. not. You do not want to look at Will Hernandez's yeah. Uh, PFF ranking after each game because no. it is not he, pretty. He is he's right there at the bottom. He's like fifty yep. seventh interior lineman for those who qualify. Like that's bad, you know. So, um, you know, so so that was 
our hog molly that we went after and we missed big time. Um, so that's so just through free agency and this draft class, that's over three on hog molly so far. Over yeah. four if you want to count letting <laughs> Justin Pugh walk. We should that should be what we count. The hog mollies, yep. offensive line hits and misses. So we're we're zero for three on hog mollies right now. I like I yes. like this. Yep, <laughs> I like this. Me- this is this is we're inventing metrics. Live. It's not going to end with a high batting average. I'm telling no, you, <laughs> it's not good. How many hog mollies will we get? All right, so let's just take a. Uh, sorry, I'm just lost my draft. Pick. Other draft picks here: Lorenzo Carter, third rounder, right? So. Yes. Um, Lorenzo Carter still on the roster uh, has never lived up to his potential in my mind I don't know if that's poor coaching I don't know if he just doesn't have it as a player not really my problem my problem is he's he's not very good and he's a premium pick one a long line of uh, University of Georgia misses for us um, BJ Hill fourth pick he's a good player actually uh, this is a hit in my mind mm-hmm. um He's on the Bengals right now because we had to trade him, I believe, in like a desperation move to solidify the offensive line prior to the uh, the season. Right. So, um, you know, well, we also had to trade him because a constant problem the Giants have is we have like ten interior linemen on the roster. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, we're just constantly trying to accumulate interior linemen for whatever yeah. reason, and there's like always a couple people that are just left out in the cold. And he he was it was him in this case. Yeah. Um, so after him, Kyle Oletta and uh, R.J. McIntosh. So who's yeah. you know long gone? Kyle Oletta, the quarterback who was sort of in the mix as a backup. He's he's no longer on yes. the roster. F- famously um, tried, almost ran over a Weehawken tra- traffic cop on the way to practice. You know these things happen, and uh, Weehawken is yeah. not an easy town to drive in. I, no. We've all been there. Um, <laughs> all right, so. So let's look at the draft class in totality, hit or misses. Saquon, I think we think overall is a miss, but, you know, also offensive rookie of the year. So, um, you know, there is something to be said. He got a great player at the number two for, you know, 12 games. Um, Will Hernandez, total miss. Lorenzo Carter, miss. B.J. Hill, decent player. That You know, that's all you can expect out of. Uh, that, that's know, a round, for, round, for he, round was he three, round four, seven. round three, no, he's round yeah, three. That's a, that's pick, a hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Laletta, like I don't know, fourth round QB. What do you expect out of that guy to hang around your roster for three years? And that's what he did. Um, and then the RG McIntosh is just a you know. Right. I, I think those guy. later picks you can kind of just throw out the window. You can't really yeah. like you th- those are players. Yeah, you don't. Hold yeah, them th- those you're you're happy if those guys just make the roster. So, really, it's like the first yeah. three rounds that are the core of your team that you're trying so, to mean, build really, with. Really, the true like value pick is BJ Hill, where it's like a guy has exceeded or you know where the the draft right. capital was in terms of of the player. I mean, Saquon has some highlights, but he's not overall selection number two. You're not getting the value nope. there. Will Hernandez, Carter, Bust, in our opinions, you know, that's uh, those are misses for, you know, yep. pick 34 and pick 66, respectively. So bad draft, but, you know, we'll, we might have to rank the drafts at the end of this. There are worse drafts to come, so hold on to your hat, you know. <laughs> um, all right, so 
after all these moves, right? The, this this revamped Togmali led offense um, with Eli Manning at the helm and Pat Shermer's first year. Um, they go five and eleven, fourth place in the NFC East. Uh, an improvement of two games from the previous year, so baby steps, I suppose. But um, you know, obviously, not a, a quick turnaround. So after this year, I don't know. I don't remember feeling anything. I was probably uh, excited about Saquon and saying, "All right, we'll see what happens in the future." Um, but I think he not- has some leash here because we were all excited about McAdoo being gone. Yeah, because the the three and thirteen year was like. Real bad. It was like, really? It was like, I can't believe he's benching Eli. Like, what is going on? It's like, okay, at least that guy's gone. Okay, a new regime. Like, David Gettleman and Pat Shermer. Okay, let's go. Yeah, I mean, naturally, that first year, expectations are low. You're not expecting much. I mean, I was – I. this goes way back, but I was like kind of – done with Eli mentally earlier than a lot of Giants fans. So I, so uh, was I. So like I would have glad I was probably 2015 done and this is two years later and we're still bringing them back for a thir- another year. So yeah. you know I was I there's problems with this team but uh it's it was actually not as bad as some of the teams to come. So uh we will get there but they became a five and eleven team that earned themselves the six round draft pick and then just to preview the next uh, offseason, this is when we'll get into the Odell management and uh, the sort of end of the era with Eli with the selection of Daniel Jones. So that's next year. So we'll, we'll come back next week to talk about that whole um, offseason in more detail. Anything the next chapter. Wanna, anything else you want to add on uh, Dave Gettleman's first offseason as a New York Giants GM? Dave Gettleman, 2018. Yep. All right. Welcome back to the Flawless Stakes podcast. It is time for the favorite segment of the week, the famous Flawless Stakes serial review. Chris, this week we have a a submission from one of our loyal listeners. We've been asked to eat the Kellogg's product cracklin oat bran cracklin oat bran which if you're not familiar with it is crunchy sweet oven baked oat cereal it's kind of like a big oval shaped o that's pretty sweet and cookie-ish cinnamony very crunchy it's pretty good what do you think chris have you had this cereal before i have not i i've heard of it before but i i never had it um Kellogg's must really be proud of this cr- Cracklin' Oat Brand because on the back, on the on the box, Kellogg's is re- is in like very large font. I, I don't know why. Like, it's very prominent. This is like one of their, their signature uh, cereals. Um, I think it, it also mentions here that it's high fiber. So I think this is like a cereal that maybe you you tend to have if you're having issues, certain issues. Oh, is this Not a constipation like a, cereal? I I think it is. Huh. Yeah. Oh no. Um, I just <laughs> ate an entire box of this. Yeah, it's it's not something I typically have a problem with. So I'm Eight not. Eight servings. Uh... <laughs> That's too much. 
Also, it comes it comes in like a small box, but the box has yeah. some serious weight to it. It's yeah, like a it's heavy, another it's another dense boy. Thick, it, it, dense. It, it, it's it's something you really got to chew through. Reminds me of, yeah. of the infamous grape nuts. I mean, this is much better because it's tasty and sweet, but like you really got to crunch to get this. Yeah, get this through here. I didn't. You're right. I didn't really have any any uh, a problem with the flavor. Because it yeah. has like a little bit of frosting, and it's, I was actually looking it up. It actually has like a little bit of coconut on it, which, ah, which I, I I'm a big coconut fan. It's it's coconut and a touch of cinnamon, which I think is is actually pretty nice. However, the consistency of it, it it's, it was just it's too much chewing. Just wore yeah. my jaw out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're also real. I didn't like the size. They're it's it's an that's O that's like, but it's almost like a rectangle. They're way too big. Like it's I almost feel like I, you have to eat, eat them one at a time. Too big and kind of sharp edges to them as yep. well. So, um, yeah, but it, it the flavor is right there. I really do like the flavor. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good amount of sweetness. I am worried about the high fiber, what that's going to do to me. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll manage. We'll, we'll get through it all together. Um, interesting recipe on the back. Blaze new flavor trails. They want you to make some trail mix with this. I could see that, but I don't know. I didn't try it dry. Dry, it might be, it might be even tougher. It had um, it had some great resistance to the milk, didn't it? it I mean, it uh-huh. did, they didn't change. I, I let them sit there for a while. They didn't budge. They didn't move an inch. Yeah, it's hardy. No, no, it works dry. Okay, all right. I can yeah. even see it in a trail. I did not give it to my kids yet. I'll, I'll be curious what they do. They went. They 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 love the apple jacks. Surprise, surprise. So I oh, I, yes. I think the this podcast is doing damage to my my children's health. I got to be careful about bringing so many cereals in or just getting rid of them because uh, have they had like, any have they had any requests for like a, a a return purchase after after you gave them a podcast no. cereal? No, they're no. not like we want. Yeah, they don't they don't really request it. There's things we always have to have. We have to have oatmeal. We have to have granola. Um, we always have uh, the honeyos. Uh, from Trader ah, Joe's on Trader hand. Joe's that's, that's kind of a staple, but you know they don't they don't demand too much other, other than that. They're more of like chocolate chip pancake type crew. That's what they're calling for on weekdays. Yeah. So. But weekdays, it's like you know, we'll, we'll, they'll, they'll eat what we give them. You know, I don't really think Crackle Oat brand is going to be their jam. This this strikes me more as like an older person's cereal. You yeah, know? just. The packaging, the the high fiber. Uh, the, pa- the packaging is like, yeah. The packaging is this is straight up in grandma's cabinet, you know, like. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they like we have deliberately not changed the fonts or anything since 1968. It's definitely got that vibe. Yep. So anyway, um, so let's let's close it out. Any other final thoughts on on the cereal or anything you want to do next week, uh, cereal wise? Uh, my o- my only thought on this is like I'm a little perplexed as to why it's referred to as crackling oat brand didn't didn't seem to crackle much to me what about I think you that's the crunch i think that there oh that's you when know. you're actually biting into it yeah the crackling is your teeth as, as you try <laughs> to gnaw through them. As, as they shatter yeah exactly so yeah all right well we'll let it go there thanks so much guys for listening and uh we'll be back next week with more giants more interrogation of the dave gettleman era and more cereal. So thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.